friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Monday, February the 14th, and wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's great love, and God's great life, and God's great goodness surrounding you and uh, and within, among you, in your relationships, brothers and sisters. We celebrate a feast day today, my friends, but not the one you're probably thinking of. You're probably thinking this is the Feast of St. Valentine's. Well, it is, uh, according to Hallmark and and everything else. St. Valentine, we really know very, very little about him. Um, Some of it is apocryphal. Some of it may be legend. Some of it may be real, but he's a minor saint. Actually, today, the major saints that we celebrate on February the 14th are Saints Cyril and Methodius. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about them when we uh, when we get to uh, the end, just very briefly, because just as I was saying, we're studying or, or we're, uh, we're celebrating this feast day, I thought, huh, I didn't study anything about them. So I'm pretty much going to go off memory, which is very small. <laughs> so we're not going to talk a lot about Cyril and Methodius, not as much as they deserve anyway. We have a very brief gospel today. I mentioned last Friday that we finished up chapter 7 of Mark's gospel. Today we're going to do Mark chapter 8, verses 11 to 13. You may wonder what happened to verses 1 through 10. They were on Saturday. I will point to what they were because they actually come into play here in our brief gospel today. But if you want to follow along, Mark 8, verses 11 to 13. So let's break open that brief scripture verse. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed from the depth of his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So again, what we're hearing today is not really that atypical. How many times have we heard the Pharisees and scribes, whether they've come up from Jerusalem or whether they've been simply around him in the midst of his teaching, and they are confrontational. They are uh, angry uh, about their way of life ultimately being challenged. And to the extent that they can prove Jesus to be a fake, to be a phony, to be incorrect, they can put him off to the side and not change anything about their life, right? But if they come to the conclusion that, my goodness, this guy is, you know, uh, of substance, and what he carries is a value, either I have to change everything about myself and change the way I believe, and change how I act around that belief. Or I can kill him, right? I mean, again, we haven't killed anybody that way, but through gossip, through malicious intent, through whatever passive-aggressive or direct means that we do uh, to put somebody aside. So that's what they're coming from. I mean, so this gospel today is no surprise. But what 
is a surprise, brothers and sisters, is the gospel that immediately preceded this. Jesus uh, was out teaching, which is, again, that's no surprise. He's in a multitude. Oh, let's say it's four to 5,000. And uh, they are teaching so, he, Jesus is teaching so long. The multitude gets hungry. What does he do? He feeds them. He feeds them. Why is that important to this? Because immediately following the feeding of the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes, the Pharisees here are asking for a sign. The Pharisees came forward, meaning they were within the crowd, meaning they were among the fed. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. What do they just consider happen? What did they just consider that feeding of the multitude from five fishes and two loaves, or excuse me, five loaves and two fishes, right? But my friends, the issue isn't so much, well, I don't know what the issue is. I'll say that I don't think the Pharisees and the scribes are simply able to see God's action in their midst. I don't know what they thought. Maybe they thought it was a, a magician's trick. Maybe they thought people had their own food with them and it magically, you know, they, it, they brought it out of their, you know, cat, you know, whatever they were wearing, their tunics or whatever. Um, but they weren't able to see the very action of God around them when it happened. That they thought it would come in this manner and God came in a different manner. My friends, I don't think we're all that different. Now, again, I, I don't think we're arguing with God and, and, and trying to, to kill him or anything like that. So, so please don't, don't hear me that way. But what I do think, brothers and sisters, is that I think oftentimes, again, I don't want to put this on you. I'll put it on me. Oftentimes, I can get comfortable, I can get lazy, I can get involved in other things, and I, and I fail to see God in my midst right now. I was reading something earlier today. It was a Richard Rohr, I get this daily meditation. I think I've, I've mentioned that before from his Center of Action and Contemplation. And uh, within that, Richard, Father Richard was talking about you know, when Paul says pray without ceasing, he doesn't mean it's, it's constantly words that we're praying to God, and he doesn't mean it's constantly our thoughts uh, on God, you know, that, that we're, we're dialoguing with God in our minds or in our directly in our words. And I've talked about that before. That prayer, brothers and sisters, is less words and more a state. It's more an attitude we carry with us. Are we open? Can we see God's presence within us and among us all the times. And to the extent that we can, we see God walking with us and we count that blessing. We are able to say, Lord, thank you for the sunshine today, even in the midst of the cold. Thank you for the, the wonder of the wind. Thank you for the green on the pine, even as the other trees uh, are, are, are carrying no leaves, right? Thank you for the glimmer. Uh, yeah, Thank you for the snow and the ice and its beauty, even as I need to be cautious as I walk and I drive. We always have a choice to see how do we see God around us. And our lives are never going to be one that we walk 
between the raindrops or that, that pain and suffering evade us. Um, brothers and sisters, you and I know this. Pain and suffering are part of the human condition. That they are part of, of what... Well, if Jesus had to deal with it, why would we expect any different? Of course, of course that is in our future and in our present. But the difference is when we pray without ceasing, when we have that attitude and the eyesight of knowing God is there, we know we don't walk through that pain and suffering alone, but that our God walks through it with us. Often, that face looks very much like our spouse, or that face looks very much like our children, or our best friends, or our parents, or our our loved ones in whatever form that is. That face looks very familiar, but other times that face looks different. It comes in a way we do not expect. And brothers and sisters, just as in Psalm 23, right? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or in, in a different translation, though I walk through the dark valley, I fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me, with thy rod and thy staff that keep me, uh, that give me comfort. Though I walk through the valley of the dark shadow, I fear no evil because you are with me. Who is you? Maybe it is my spouse. Maybe it is some unexpected person, but I walk not alone. I walk not alone in those moments of perseverance, in those moments of darkness, in those moments of suffering and dread and, and despair. But we do not walk alone. And for those of us with eyes to see, because that's what our God invites us to, you and I, we are bearers of the treasure. And, and if we can't see, it doesn't mean that God's not there. It means simply, brothers and sisters, that our eyes have not adjusted, that our spirits have not adjusted. You know, the Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus, not because God wasn't present, but because they weren't able to see. They were seeking a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed from the depth of his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, no sign will be given. Why? Because God wanted to withdraw his person. He wanted to withdraw his, his blessings, his spirit, his, his, his presence. No, no sign is given to that generation because they are unable to see it. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, the ultimate sign that was given to that generation is God. There is no end to which God would go to show God's great love, even to death, even into that very suffering that we dread. That God will go there to to bring us out of that suffering, to say, yes, I will go in the midst of what you're dealing with right now and I'm dealing with, and I will walk with you and know that this isn't the end, but we'll walk out of it and we'll walk out of it together. And it may take a while, brothers and sisters. It may not be a day's afternoon when all of a sudden we're fed. But brothers and sisters, the blessings of God are all around us. We simply have to have eyes to see. Prayer is not words or dialogue. It is a state. It is a presence. It is an eyesight. It is an opening that we can see. You know, this. I loved the first reading this last weekend. If you remember, it was Jeremiah. Talked about, you know, if you're not open to the Spirit, you're essentially a tree planted in a volcanic wasteland. It's only one season, and it's always desert and dry and nothingness. And you got nothing with you. He said, but those who are believers, now he said it better than I, those who are believers are like trees planted alongside a stream. 
the roots are going to go down and get that moisture. That's the strength from which that, that tree is fed. But above, above those roots, above ground, yeah, there's going to be four seasons. There's going to be times of, of cold and barren when the tree loses its leaves, but that life still pumps within. There are going to be times that, that we, the leaves are falling and we feel like death is, is coming and we're afraid. But there are also going to be times of spring and summer of, of fruit and, and growth. But as long as we are planted in the one who is our, our power, who is our, our dynamism within us, who, who is that presence, as long as we can see it, we know we are planted in the right place. And whatever is going on without the storm around us isn't going to matter because we've got eyes to see. The Pharisees didn't. Brothers and sisters, we don't need signs. We don't need to ask God. You know, and, and yeah, there are going to be times we do ask him because we're, we're really low. But you know what? Remember, we don't need it. All we need, instead of saying, Lord, show me a sign you're here, say, Lord, open me to your presence that's all around. Open me to the beauty and the goodness with which you present yourself every day. And give me your grateful heart, even in the midst of this tough season I'm in. And know those seasons change, just like the seasons around us. Why? Because those seasons around us show us the reality of the kingdom of God. It never ends. We don't end and don't stop that walk through the dark valley. We walk out of it with the one who walks with us. And seasons don't end on winter because spring follows. But surely the dark valley and winter are part of them. And in those times, we don't need to ask for a sign. We simply need to trust that he walks with us and open ourselves to the fact that he is here already. Cyril and Methodius, what do I know about them? Well, here's what I remember. They were, um, they were monks. Uh, they were brothers. And uh, they were, um, I, I want to say they were Greeks. Okay, here's what I know. I know that they went to the people of the Slavs, what you and I would call modern-day Hungary, Rome, uh, uh, Romania, but ultimately uh Czechoslovakia, so the Czech Republic or whatever that is right now. And so they were two Greek brothers that gave themselves in missionaries as missionaries, and they did this um, in the ninth century. So they lived, this was, this was in the Middle Ages. So, so again, they went to these peoples, and what they did, here's what I remember about them, which was brilliant, brilliant. They created the language that, that people in that area speak even to this day. Um, they created a language so in order to teach the people to read, uh, to give them a future, to bring them the Word of God because they brought the Word of God into that language. Um, and, uh, and, and so again, inventing an alphabet. They used their brilliance. They used uh, the... the they met the people where they were. They didn't say, you got to come to where we are and you got to start speaking Latin or Greek, probably Greek, uh, whatever it was language they taught. Instead, they went in there and learned how did the people speak and they invented an alphabet and then created out of that this language uh, with which they could, could bring the word of God to those people. 
Now, again, they did more than this. Uh, I want to say they became bishops and and served the people of the Slavic area for a while, but but that's beyond my memory. And, And again, I didn't study. But I guess the point I'd have us learn from Cyril and Methodius, these brothers who dedicated their lives to these people who... Uh, the Greeks looked at as second-class or maybe third, well, let's, say, let's call them second-class citizens, second-class peoples. Uh, they weren't too good, A, to go to them, and B, they, they spoke in a language. They used the language of that people in order to create this alphabet around it and, uh, and teach them as the people were. Are we so creative in order to use the very gifts of the people around us and, and the way they understand life and, uh, and God and the world uh, and reality, in order to use those things and say, okay, that's our basis. Let's use that. I'm going to come into that reality of yours, and I'm going to show you God's action in and among that. Rather than saying they, whoever they are, need to come around me and, and revolve around me. Uh, brilliance, brilliance, um, and and really, I think what's the word I'm looking for? Just not kind. They weren't condescending or, or or patronizing and inviting them to come to them, but in a sense, they condescended to the place where the people were, and found a life there. And because of that, all these years later, we honor their work. It's really, it's really a wonderful thing. Let's pray, my friends. We uh, pray through the uh, joyful mysteries this week. And so we begin as we begin all things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first joyful mystery, the Annunciation. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. 
Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Saints Cyril, Methodius, and Valentine, pray for us. My friends, have a wonderful Monday. Let's make this as as good a week as we can, shall we? One that we truly open ourselves as best we can with the Spirit's help to God's presence all.